Good morning. You can stand with us to sing or you can remain seated as we obviously are. This morning is a little setup is a little different. I'm going to read this prayer to you from Thomas Kempis. It says, above all things and in all things, oh my soul, rest always in God. For he is the everlasting rest of the saints. Grant most sweet and loving Jesus that I may seek my repose in you. For my heart cannot rest or be fully content until rising above all gifts and every created thing, it rests in you. Amen. Let's worship.
Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Amen. There's honey in the rock, there's water in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. time today. Yeah. 
Kevin or Dave, would you one of you continue to play? Doesn't matter, Kevin. This morning, I encourage you to remain in an attitude and a posture of prayer and openness before God. Um, I'm going to do something just a little bit different for our time of prayer. I would just love for um, myself included. I'm. I'm I'm sensing like just my, I have a deep desire to just be present before God this morning and to hear from him. Um, And so sometimes that's me talking less and and leading through the prayer time less and just putting myself and and inviting you all in a posture of openness and listening uh, to God. And so find yourself a place that's comfortable. If it's just remaining seated in your chair or coming to these altars Um, I'm just going to invite you to be open, holy before God. And I want you to be intentional about that. I don't want us to just go through this time of prayer because that's what's next on the agenda, but I want us to go through this time just completely um, 
open as we remove kind of our own agendas and, and what's what we want to bring before God and just be open before him and allow the Holy Spirit to prompt um, what it is that God might be doing in our hearts. Or, um, But it's also a time where you can bring your burdens before God and there will be space in the prayer for that too. Um, so would you just pray with me this morning? God, we just take a few moments to prepare our hearts to move into an intentional place where we can be fully open before you. God, sometimes we have weeks that are just a little more hectic than normal, a little more stressful than normal, a little busier than normal, and we just reach a point in the week where we are feeling exhausted, we are emotionally depleted, maybe we're feeling anxious or stressed. God, I'm, I am feeling um, just a little bit emotionally dry, uh, spiritually dry. God, I'm, I'm just wanting to create space for you to come into my heart and to fill my heart this morning. And God, I pray that if there's anyone else here that, that just needs to pause and to allow you to come and to encourage us, draw near to us, God, I pray that you would do that in this moment. God, we take a moment to just name something that is weighing heavily on our hearts. Whatever that is, would you voice that to God this morning? as we acknowledge whatever it is that may be kind of weighing us down or something that may be causing us to feel just extra heavy. God, I pray that, that we would open our hearts in this moment and we would allow you to speak a word to us. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. God, in this moment, we acknowledge something.
something good that you've done for us recently. God, in this moment, may we remember your faithfulness in a way that you revealed your faithfulness to us in recent days. God, help us to to think, bring something to mind. Help us to acknowledge a place where you were present and, and moving. God, help us to think on this good and beautiful act of your presence and mercy. Maybe it was a good report or a good and helpful conversation. God, maybe there was a need that you miraculously provided Maybe it was in a good conversation with a friend. Maybe it was a way that you brought about reconciliation in a relationship. God, maybe it was just you showing up and and helping us to make it through a really difficult day or a really difficult situation. God, it's important that we acknowledge that we can bring our burdens before you. We can lay them down. We can acknowledge where we are and and how desperately we need you. But God, we always want to remember your goodness and your faithfulness. And so I pray this morning that things would come to mind. That we would know and, and that we would be able to trust that you are working all things out for our good. And even if there are those who are in a season of waiting, a season of wandering, a season of searching, a season of change, a season of unknown, of of not knowing what's next, God, we trust in your perfect provision We trust in your good will for our lives. God, we trust that you are present, that you are working in every moment, in every relationship. God, I pray that we would have a heart that is willing to acknowledge you, that that we would humble ourselves before you and acknowledge all the ways in which we fall short, all the ways in which we miss the mark. And I pray this morning that we can confess those things to you, that that we can acknowledge, I missed the mark here this week. I, I dropped it here this week. This is where I failed. This is where I said something out of line. This is where I did something that caused another person pain. God, would you bring that to our awareness this morning? Maybe we snapped at someone out of frustration. Maybe we were quick to judge a person or a situation. Maybe we were quick to criticize. Maybe we spoke 
um, from a place of, of brokenness within and we took that out on another person who was undeserving of our frustration. Maybe we failed to respond in a Christ-like way to a brother or a sister, to a loved one, to a family member. God, would you help us to acknowledge whatever it is that we need to bring before you and to confess? And God, would you help us to repair or restore? Would you help us, God, to make things right, to be humble and to to ask for forgiveness or to offer forgiveness where it might be needed? God, we thank you that it's your will for us to live in unity and in harmony and in peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the only way that we can really do that, God, is for us to humble ourselves, to to acknowledge where we get things wrong in our own hearts and to acknowledge when we've said something or done something that was harmful or hurtful to someone else. God, may we never um, assume that we're always in the right. May we acknowledge, God, that sometimes we need to address something that's in our own hearts. God, that is the nature of, of, of us being human. We are fallen. We are broken. We, we tend to lean towards the things that are not good and holy in our relationships sometimes. But God, I trust in your perfect holiness that is, that is working itself out in us, that you have called us to be holy to be, to be holy as our heavenly father is holy. And, and we read in, in, in the apostle Paul's letters about all of the work that the spirit is doing in our lives and in our midst. And if we believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and working and moving, then we believe that transformation can come and that we can choose the way of holiness, that we can choose the way of peace, that we can choose the way of love, that we can choose the way of, of, of saying and speaking that which is encouraging, that which is uplifting, that which is loving, God, that's your nature, and I pray that we would look more like you. So God, as we continue talking about relationships throughout this service, as we talk about what it looks like to do life with each other, may we acknowledge our need for grace and mercy God, may we also remain open to the ways that you might be calling us to live in a healthier way relationally. May we be open, God, to whatever challenge it is that you might put on our hearts today as a response. God, may we be willing to do the hard thing of having conversations, of of being vulnerable, of opening up our hearts and ourselves to each other. And may we, God, be able to see 
the way that you created us to know and to be known. God, I, as I close this time of prayer, I pray that you would continue to move in our midst, that you would continue to speak to us, that you would continue to transform our hearts to look more like yours. And God, we love you and we thank you for your goodness in our lives, even though we are undeserving. God, we thank you for the ways that you help us to to make things right and to continue pressing on in your goodness and in your love. So God, would you just continue to be present, continue to draw us closer to you and to one another today. We love you and we pray all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, as you can see, uh, we've got things set up just a little differently today. Um, We're going to do something a little different. I'm going to carry this over here just for a moment. Um, I talk a lot about the importance of doing life together together. the importance of community, the importance of relationship. We spent a whole summer series on this idea of, of what it means and what it looks like to be, to be known by God and by each other and to know each other. Um, and it's hard work being open, being vulnerable, being willing to uh, walk through life with other people is really messy and hard. And it's one thing when we seek to do life with the people we live with, with our family members, because we kind of have to, right? And we choose to. When it's hard, we just choose to keep going, and and it's a a little more easy to do that. But there are times when I feel like we, we check out when it comes to relationships with each other, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, because frankly, that's just easier. And so today I wanted to spend some time uh, focusing on uh, something that we do around here in the church, and that is life groups. And I often put in a plug for life groups, but, but this week I thought it would be helpful as a lot of the life groups um, are starting to meet again and kick back up again. I thought it would be helpful to, to once again acknowledge why we believe life groups are so important and why we think they really, truly matter. Now, I have um, a challenge for you this morning. Um, if you already regularly attend a life group, I don't want you to check out this morning, okay? Because I think that, that we can continue to um, learn more about what it looks like to do life together, and we can gain new insights, new ideas, new perspectives. And so don't check out this morning just because you already attend a life group. I want you to just remain open and just listen. There's going to be some some testimonies shared this morning, and so I just want you to remain open uh, to to listening and to hearing. Uh, And before I completely forget this morning, I wanted to uh, make you aware of something that we're going to do in a few weeks because we value uh, relationships, we value knowing one another, and we value being known, and we look for ways that we can fellowship, because today we're going to focus on like small group settings, but I also don't want to... disregard um, 
an entire a fellowship among the entire body, among all of us, all of us getting to know one another. Um, we can't do that in small groups, right? Because that's just a small group of people. And so in a few weeks, um, we're going to have what we call Sack Lunch Sunday. And this is going to be something new. I know you can't see that date very well, but down there it says September 10th. Uh, This is kind of something new to help us get um, more regular fellowship, um, but also acknowledge that it's really difficult to do that when you're sharing a building with another congregation. Um, It's really difficult when someone has to cook, prepare food, and bring food, and, and clean up a mess, and prepare tables like a lot of our fellowship events tend to fall on the shoulders of a few people, and it tends to be the same few people. And so we're always looking for and thinking of, of new ways that we can create fellowship opportunities that are not so much work for a few individuals. And so this is something that we're just going to try and see how it goes. And so you may kind of already have an idea of what's implied here. Uh, on Sunday, September 10th, we are going to invite you to um, stay a little longer after church and plan to have lunch or a snack with your church family afterwards. So the idea here is like we're all going out to lunch together, but we're not going anywhere. We're staying here. Um, and you just bring something that's easy that day. We'll have refrigerators. If you need to store your sack lunch in a refrigerator, make a sandwich. If you wanted to run to Dairy Queen and grab something and come back, the idea is to create a space and a time where we can simply focus on fellowship and sharing a meal together and sitting wherever it may be in here around a table. If it's nice, sitting outside and and hanging out maybe by the garden. Um, But the idea is to create an, an inviting atmosphere where we can Um, better know each other, but also make it a little less hassle, if that makes sense. Um, And we're kind of still in the busy season of traveling, and so I know there's going to be a lot of people that are gone that particular week, and we kind of had that problem with every week in September. And so I just want to say that if you're not going to be able to make it that day, um, hopefully if this goes well, we'll make this a regular thing, maybe even a monthly thing. And so there will be more opportunities for us to do this. And so that's something we're trying. So I want you to make a note of that Sunday, September 10th. If you are here, just plan to stay a little while afterwards and share a meal with uh, your church family. Maybe a few of you go in on a pizza and you have a pizza delivered or something like that. I think there's lots of options Um, And so I wanted to make sure we mention that before we move on. Let me share this quote with you from Henry Henry Nouwen, just to kind of set the stage for us this morning. Henry Nouwen says this, In our world full of strangers, estranged from their own past, culture, and country, from their neighbors, friends, and family, from their deepest self and their God, We witness a painful search for a hospitable place where life can be lived without fear and where community can be found. Friends, I I truly think what we are witnessing is the second part of that quote. What we see in our midst is this painful search, people who are looking for a place where they can be seen and known and loved. People are looking for a place where they can feel invited, where they can feel welcome, where they can feel like they are not alone. And I think when we go back in scripture, 
I, I sh- I've shared this verse, this passage a lot lately, um, but I didn't want that to keep us from exploring it again because I, I, I'm continually drawn back to this ideal that God had in mind. And, and until we really see it and acknowledge it for what it is, I think it should keep coming up and keep um, coming to the forefront of our minds, this ideal that God had for us. In Genesis 1, 26 through 27, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There are so many implications that that we receive from this creation story. But one of them, one of them that stands out to me and has in, in such a unique way over the past few years is this, this idea that to be made in God's image is to be created for relationship, to crave relationship, to value relationship. And one of the reasons I think that is because, and scholars note this, because of this plural language that we see in this passage. There is this plural language that many scholars believe implies a Trinitarian uh, uh, image here, right? In our likeness, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And at this point in the story, all we have to go off of when it comes to the Father, Son, and Spirit is that there is community, among them, that, that there is community among the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And even though our minds can't fully comprehend that, and I don't know if God needs community, but he implies that it's important. And I think we see that it's important that, that to be made in our image, one of those implications, one, there are many, one of those implications is to live in relationship. Being made in God's image means that by nature, we are relational people. We see in scripture that God has always existed. It would seem in perfect, eternal, uh, Trinitarian community. Community seems to be something that we see even before humanity is created. Community seems to have already existed at this point. And I just think that's incredible to think about that one of the implications of being made in our image, in their image, is this idea that we would be in community, that we would be relationally connected to other people. And we flip over to chapter two and we see this another aspect of the creation story. Chapter two, verse 18 says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I know I've, I've highlighted this before. It's not new information, but it's so important. It's worth saying again and again that, that God, on the heels of acknowledging all that was good, God was very intentional to say, I created this and it was good. I created this and it was good. He created that and it was good. 
But then he, he pauses and he acknowledges that, that in the midst of all that is good and perfect and beautiful, he points out something that is not good. I believe that's supposed to stand in stark contrast to all of the good. What is not good is for man to be alone. And that Hebrew word for alone literally means apart, besides, separated, without or by itself. It's not good for man to be cut off from others. It's not good for man to, to put his head down and to, to move on in life alone. I like how scholar Joseph Colson says it. He says, the evaluation not good anticipates the divine plan for the Adam to live in community and not in isolation from other creatures or in solitude. Just as God enjoys the fellowship of community within the triune Godhead, God intends humans to live in relational community as an important part of our identity in the image of God. And I've said this before too, that it should be alarming to us. Some alarm bells should go off in our minds as we acknowledge the society in which we live and it's individualistic, it's pull yourself up by your bootstraps and just figure it out yourself, right? If you need something, just figure out a way to do it. That's why we have all these helpful tools on the internet, right? We don't need to, to seek anyone else's counsel. We could really do anything and everything we wanted to alone if we had to. But friends, that is so incredibly contrary to what we see is God's ideal, we were created for community. And so one of the ways, uh, that all is important, it had to be said. And one of the ways that we seek to foster community in this church is through life groups. And life groups, don't get me wrong, life groups can be messy Life groups can be tricky when a group of people decides that they are going to be, in a sense, committed to one another. They're going to be vulnerable and honest and, and life happens and, and, and messy relational things happen. It's not always like this picture-perfect image, but there's still beauty to be found and discovered as you seek to bind yourself to others who are committed to walk this walk with you so that you don't have to walk alone. It's a beautiful thing. And so rather than me share alone why I think life groups are so important and why I see a value in life groups, I thought, well, you hear me talk about it enough. And so this morning I wanted to invite a few individuals who could come and share with us why they think life groups are so important. And so I'm going to invite Adam to come. Adam's going to kick us off this morning. And you'll see that, that what I created here is, is like a little sample or a snapshot, if you will, of, of what life groups look like. We tend to gather in chairs. This is for you. We gather in chairs, in living rooms, or in, in homes. And wow, don't you feel less intimidated already because you're sitting in a comfortable chair? I wasn't this. Yeah. Does this help? Because you don't feel like you're preaching in front of people, I hope. We're just having a conversation. All right, so Adam, I want, to sh I want to invite you to share with us your honest answer of why you think life groups matter. Um, well, um, so 
I didn't really have anything rehearsed for this, but um, I grew up in a Christian setting. Um, I went to a Lutheran school through eighth grade. I had, you know, very, you know, Christian parents and grew up in a Christian setting, but I don't know if it was because of the way I grew up, if it was the values of the way I grew up, or if it was um, maybe kind of a different generation or my parents' generation, but the, the message that I kind of felt like it was given to me intentionally or unintentionally was um, maybe like not to share or mm. that we're supposed to be kind of like, you know, responsible for ourselves, but don't burden other people and don't take on maybe others' burdens and, um, you know, kind of maybe be suspicious of people or don't trust people or things of that nature. Wow. Um, so, you know, the, the image that I always kind of um, related to is it kind of felt like you, we kind of grew up in like silos almost. Yeah. Where you didn't want people to know maybe your business or you're, you're not supposed to know anybody else's. So, and, it, and that applied probably to all facets of life, but even your spiritual life, like you were responsible for your Christian walk or your spirituality. So going to church and reading the Bible, but not to um, really feel the need to share that with others or to walk with others. Yeah. So that was kind of, and when I was um, exposed to life groups when I was in college, so I had some exposure to it already. But um, once Dawn and I got married and settled down and had kids, I began to realize as I got you know into my 30s or whatever that I felt like I was kind of trending back in the same direction that you know I had seen my parents grow up, you know, mm -hmm. live too. And I was like, you know, this isn't maybe what's best for me, you know, to kind of. And I felt a sense of you know kind of. A little bit of loneliness, but beyond that, a sense of like missing something. Yeah. So when we began to look for, you know, a life group or a community, um, and now we've been involved with them for several years now here at this church, um, I feel like it's just improved kind of all facets of my life. I feel like it's blessed my life in lots of different ways. It's given me more confidence and it's helped me feel. Um, not alone, but at the same time, like if, you know, things that I'm wrestling with or questions that I have, I can, other people may have that too. And also just an opportunity to share and connect. Mm -hmm. And it's become something that, you know, I look forward to every week and it kind of helps me get through my week to some extent. And then especially, you know, like I said, I feel like it's blessed kind of off facets of my life and my own development, but especially my spiritual life, obviously it's, the closest I have felt to God and the closest and the more I've mm. grown spiritually has usually coincided with the most time I've spent in that community. So it's, you know, I feel like we're kind of designed, as you're saying, kind of meant for that and designed for that. And I think we function best when we have that. So even somebody like me, that it's not kind of how I was raised or it's not my natural personality, I can attest to the fact that it's, it's, I think it is the natural way, and I think it does help a lot in a lot of ways that you may not think. So if you are afraid or if maybe haven't grown up with that or been encouraged or you think, oh, I don't know if I have the commitment to that or I don't know if I can trust people or I don't know if how I'm supposed to relate to, you know, it's like I can, I mean, I, I probably had those same doubts too, so I can, you know, definitely acknowledge that. But I, I think there's, you, you overcome that. There's so many more benefits that come from that. So that's my yeah. testimony to it. I love that. Okay, I know we didn't, uh, I didn't prepare for this to be like a, uh, 
like a dialogue back and forth, but um, not knowing what each person was going to say other than a pre-recorded video, uh, I wanted to kind of prepare like a few things that, that may not have been touched on, but that I wanted to make sure were touched on. And so I think it's really interesting that you bring up the aspect of there was this implication to not share your life with others or to be too open with others. And I think that's so interesting because we don't see anything about that in scripture. Like there is no scriptural precedent for just do it alone. Don't reach out to people. Don't share too much with people. Don't be too vulnerable with people. Like that is nowhere in scripture. In fact, I'm going to throw this a little bit early if that's okay, you guys. But so I I had prepared Psalm 133.1 how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Ecclesiastes 4.12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I also want to say, I think that touches on something that you said that I feel like it's like to play devil's advocate. I don't know if pastors are allowed to do that, but I just did it. Um, that sometimes I think people might say, well, I have a spouse, okay? Not all of us are married, but for those who are married uh, might say, well, I have a spouse. And so that's my community. My spouse is the person that, that is my person. And to that, I would say, great. I hope that your spouse is your person that you can share and be open with. I will say, I think it's a lot easier to believe that spouses are having deep spiritual conversations. I think a lot of times they, they aren't. Um, it's been kind of like if I'm talking to other people, I notice a lot of times spouses don't really have a clue where the other person is spiritually and things they might be struggling with or wrestling with. But I'll just say, Adam, as a, as a married person, I, I think I connected with what you said that it wasn't just you feeling lonely. It's not like your, your spouse was was contributing to that, but you and Dawn felt lonely, like you were missing something. And I think there is something to be said about being in community with other couples with other people who are like you, and if that's a a singles group, right? A a group of people who understand the difficulties of being single, or a group of people who understand that marriage is hard, and we're willing to actually talk about the fact that marriage is hard, and it's, it's not easy to navigate, right? Like, that's helpful for a married couple, and so I think that that really supports what you said. And then the last verse that I had to, again, show that there is only biblical precedent for the opposite, not just don't share with people. Hebrews 10.25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I think um, I'll say this last thing and then I'll let you leave, but it, it just is nice to have someone else up here. So just... Just humor me. Um, That's pretty comfortable. I think that the enemy delights when we somehow have received this message of don't be too open with other people. I can't tell you how many times I've walked away from a conversation and the enemy is immediately uh, telling me, like, you shared too much. You were too vulnerable. You made yourself look like an idiot just now with how vulnerable you were. I mean, it it happened this morning. Somebody asked me how I was doing, and I answered honestly. And immediately I was like, oh, maybe I should. Now you're thinking things and wondering things. And maybe and it was like, no, no, I appreciate the honesty, right? The enemy would love for us to think that, nope, don't open. Don't be too open. Don't give people too much detail about your life. Uh, Because if God created us for community, if we see that this is a profound implication of the creation story of of how God designed us to live, 
doesn't it make sense that the enemy would do all that he can to create uh, a void in your life and, and help you to think that you don't need other people, that it's actually better off that you're by yourself? I mean, that makes sense, right? Adam, thank you so much for being willing to share. Would you show your appreciation? Because um, it's, it's not easy to find people who are willing to come up here and share. Uh, so I appreciate Adam's willingness. And wow, I, what he said was really, really helpful. So thank you, Adam. Um, the next person that's going to share is actually a video. Shelly Wonkel is downstairs with our kids in Kid City. And so she um, graciously agreed to record a video for us ahead of time so that we can see Shelly's testimony. So let's play that. Here are some reasons why I enjoy my life group. First one, Pastor Nicole will love this. It's community. You get to hang out with people and spend time with them more than the five minutes before service or 15 minutes after. You really get to know them and you know what's going on in their life. Um, I like the flexibility of it so that you can meet at someone's house or at a restaurant or go do something together that you all enjoy. I like the different perspectives that you um, experience when you're all talking about whatever scripture you're studying and you get to find out what someone else's take was on whatever was mentioned. And maybe it's totally different than what I thought of. And so I might ask the question, well, how did you come up with that? Or, you know, how, I never thought of it that way. So you get a different perspective. Maybe you challenge someone else's uh, opinion and you kind of go back and forth with, well, what does this really mean? But at the same time, then you're, you're learning more about them. You're hearing about their prayer requests. You have each other's back. You're praying for each other. I just really like life groups. I, I'm having a great time at mine and I really miss it when we don't meet or when I can't be there. And um, you should join one. Shelly was very compelling. Um, Shelly touches on another note that I had that I wanted to make sure um, that we acknowledged. And that is that spiritual transformation is not a solo event. That don't get me wrong, okay? Like somebody else might say, well, if, if you were the only person and, and you had a Bible, like God can speak to you just by yourself through scripture. And to that, I would say, of course he can. But that also, that's, to me, that's a little bit of a weak argument because while God can and does speak to us individually when it's just me and God, I also find that there are so many different ways that I understand God as I share and interact with other people. Um, and so I would say that spiritual transformation, seeing, seeing God in different ways, understanding different aspects of God, hearing how God has moved in someone else's life, uh, hearing and understanding how God makes himself known to people, um, how God has been there for people, like that changes me spiritually. That helps me to grow spiritually. Um, and so I think it's interesting that, that Adam's really prefaces Shelley's well that that there are times where we um, are challenged. Our, our assumptions about God 
and what this life in Christ looks like are sometimes challenged. And friends, that's a good thing. That doesn't have to be a negative thing. That doesn't have to be a tense thing. That can be a good thing for me to say, wow, I've always thought this, and now I'm realizing maybe that wasn't helpful. Maybe that wasn't healthy. Maybe it wasn't biblical. And there are times where I wouldn't come to that realization unless we were talking about it, I was talking about it with another person. And and I'll just be honest and say, in our life group, we have really hard conversations. We're millennials in our life group. And so thankfully, we we all value transparency and, and wrestling with the hard stuff. And so we go all in and we have really hard conversations where, where we really challenge what we were taught growing up. And, and it's really difficult at times to, to have that conversation openly and honestly because people don't always see it the same way. But thankfully, we're always able to respect and understand that, that we don't all see things exactly the same, but we can still discover God in the middle and in that tension and even sometimes in that messiness as we're trying to figure out what this relationship with God and others looks like, if that makes sense. So um, I think that's really great. Okay, so now I'm going to invite our last uh, speaker, Carolyn Short, to come and, and join me here around the table, if you will. Um, She brought notes, she came prepared, and we're ready for you. That's, that's because I'm old and I forget things. It's okay. And but don't be afraid, it's all road in big print and double space. <laughs> I love it. And I want to let you know that this morning I looked over my notes and my first page was not bad. I thought, wow, Lord, you really made this sound good. And I said, I got up from the, I I was sat there at the island and looking at it, and then I'm shuffling papers, and I I can't find my first page. Oh, no. So I get up, and I tell Terry, I said, scoot up out of the recliner. I said, did you hide my first page? (laughs) Are you sabotaging her? (laughs) Which she's done before. But he didn't do it, and I've never found my first page. You're kidding. I hope I you know. remember. Well, I tried, to, I tried to pull it together, so um, I'm even more maybe nervous. This is, maybe this maybe is more important for some maybe. reason. Yeah, Who knows? I don't know. We'll find out, I guess. <laughs> um, it says, I am happy to share a little with you about our small group, and we are a group of parents with college or older kids, and some of us have grandkids and or grand dogs. I'm looking for Kathy. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. You know, Jesus started small groups with 12 of his friends. There's a lot of small groups in society, but the focus is the one that Jesus uses to instruct and care for his followers. We, in our group, we share and care, laugh and cry, Mm. laugh and eat, Mm -hmm. ask and answer, wonder and support. Mm. We gather to see what God has for us with a heart of what God would call our attention to in our subjects that we talk about. Um, to challenge us and look at ourselves. We can know a lot about what God wants, but sometimes in groups we see it in a different light and it, and it really hits us. Um, that's what I need. I need that challenge. Mm-hmm. I, need, yeah. I, I need that. I need yeah. not to be patted on the head, but sometimes I need to you know, be challenged. Yeah. We have progressed since our start um, of our groups to sharing and crying and laughing and needing those in our group 
being concerned about each family and their needs and concerns and studying how God can equip us to get through it. The intention of our lessons have been for personal spiritual growth that each of us could be used um, by God for his plan in our families, our church, and our community. Hmm. We've studied books like Louis Giglio's um, Don't Let the Enemy Have a Seat at Your Table. The 23rd Psalm was eye-opening. If you've not read that book, I, I would offer that you would do that. Um, you, did you know that Jesus sets a table for us right in the middle of our enemies? That's scriptural. Mm -hmm. We have choices who gets to be our, at our table, what we think about, and how we respond. Before that, we got into Jim um, Symbola's When God's Spirit Moves, and the scripture that we looked at was, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. John 14, 16 through 17. Jesus continually lets his Jesus continually lets the disciples know how awesome and beneficial it would be for them in their spiritual walk for him to leave and the spirit to come to us. Mm -hmm. And that's where we live. Yeah. I believe our group has used the witness of these messages to get us through some of the issues that we're going through in our lives at the very time. I can think of one subject that we went through and one, one need and one burden in our group, and, um, and I'm thrilled for the results of, of what's come of That's that. Um, I've, I have confidence in God's plan. I just have to get beyond myself, and our small group helps it gives some good discussion between Terry and I, even at home, whenever oh, we yeah. discuss subjects. Yeah. Um, I'm sometimes not as deep as Terry is, so <laughs> I don't always get it. But besides getting into the Word, we grow closer as a family and in fellowship. And um, let's see. some of our favorite times of small group have been like getting to know the Peters. We weren't in, when we first came to this church, one of the things that we wrote on our card was that we needed family. Mm -hmm. We didn't know where we were going, what we were really doing. We've been in church all of our married life. Um, but, you know, it's different. Whenever you go to a different church, nobody knows you. They don't know the experiences that you've had, the things that you've done. Um, so, so it was new and different. And, um, I, I would always walk into the group. We'd have it. At, we have it at Kathy and and um, at their house. And whenever we, sometimes whenever um, Peters were there, I'd walk in from the kitchen into the living room where we would meet. And there on the big couch was Terry and Mike. Mike had his arm extended over Terry, like hugging him. They're both smiling. I'll never forget that. Mm. It's always so good to get to know the families and know the needs, and um, you just get to be family because you're just getting to know them. Um, some of the other good things that we've done is going to Spaghetti Factory and asking the waitress to take our picture, and the waitress was a godsend. She, she made sure we all were positioned where we could all see each other. And, Love it. And uh, we, went to, we did ice cream in Greenville, and... Uh, it's always an issue, not an issue, but a, 
uh, it's always something to see waiting for the first person to get in the food line at Kathy's. <laughs> so I just, I just believe that um, it is part of God's plan for us to get together, be together, and, and uh, yeah, I, I just think that it's a spiritual growth, it's a family community growth, and that's what I think that the Lord just has for us. One thing I love about what you said, I kind of like how yours was a perfect, you said so many good things, and I'm already afraid like that I'm going to forget to highlight them, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing, we'll never know how good your other page was, because that was pretty good, and so, but I like how yours was a follow-up to Adam's, or, or just this idea that, that, you know, don't be too vulnerable, don't open yourself up too much to others, so I'm hearing you say, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you've seen that it is very fruitful to open and be vulnerable with well, others. At our age, we, what else do we have left? <laughs> we, we just do it, you know, we just, we just are what we are. <laughs> I love that. But you've seen that it's, it's, it's helpful, like that even though it's, it's hard, like I'm thinking of, you know, there was one instance in particular that you mentioned that uh, where you feel like you saw the value in, in wrestling with something that was hard and difficult. And I think that is exactly... Uh, what we ought to 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 work towards, right? Because it's not always going to happen like that right away. But I think we'll find that that's so much more valuable. And just to add to your point too, some of mine and Bo's deepest conversations have happened after life group where we will continue together to to unpack like all the stuff that was discussed and and we we're we're really comfortable with challenging each other spiritually and like maybe that's not fair to say but like like pushing back like well no I totally don't see it like that I see it like this and and it's always good and it it grows us closer together so I love that you mentioned that because it's been such a good thing even in like a, a marriage a relationship with a spouse so thank you so much for being willing can you uh, help Carolyn to see how thankful you are for her sharing um I just really felt like it would be important. And I, I had just a few people in mind, people that, you know, because I wanted it to be something that you all saw as valuable. So it's not just someone who's, you know, uh, up in front of you all the time. And you're like, well, yeah, they're, it's easy for them to talk. And I tried to pick people who, who, are, who are quieter, more reserved, and people who I feel like would help us to really see that, like, this was not a planned promotional thing. Like I genuinely wanted to hear from, from people who, who I feel like, you know, it's, it's a different perspective, someone that you might not always, um, hear from on your own. Um, the final thing that I'll say this morning is that, um, I hope that you've taken a few nuggets away. And I hope that if you're one of those who feels like, you just don't see the value in it and you don't know that it's going to add any value to your life, I hope that you are at the very least wrestling with that just a little bit. And I, I hope that you may be open to kind of this challenge or this idea, like I want to say try it and, and see if we're wrong. 
Like try it for yourself and see if it doesn't add value to your life and to your walk with the Lord. Like try it. And, and if we're wrong, you can come and tell me and you can say, here's why you were wrong. Like I'm, I believe in it that much. I, now it's definitely like I'm selling a product to you, but I do believe in it that much that I would love for you to just try it and just see the value that can come from it. Um, it I feel like there's probably more that I could talk with you all individually if you are thinking about life groups. I will say this. This is kind of the hard part. Uh, This is the part I've hesitated sharing the most is that kind of what we see with people who want to join a life group or be a part of a life group. It's like, okay, I'll go join a life group. And I'll, I'll just say that we're at the point right now, we have, I think it's four or five really healthy life groups that are about 12 to 14 people, and that's like the max size that you want for a life group so that it's effective, right? Um, We're pretty much at capacity with almost all of those groups with the exception of a few. And so now is the hard part. We need people who are willing to step up and who are willing to take the initiative to host a life group at their house or being willing to facilitate a life group at your house. And notice how I said facilitate and not lead. Here, let me just go ahead and get in front of an assumption you might have. That if I volunteer to lead a life group, I'm gonna have to know all kinds of stuff about the Bible that I don't know, or I'm gonna have to be an expert in some topic so that I can share, and I'm gonna have to find all this time in my week to plan and prepare something. And to that, I would say that is not how it has to be. In fact, I discourage life groups from being a place where one person is talking the entire time. Like if it's one person who's teaching and leading the entire time, that defeats the whole purpose and you need to change how you're doing it because that's not what the purpose is. That's what this is, right? And this is fine. Preaching and, and listening is fine. But friends, so much more spiritual growth happens outside of this space. And so I just want to encourage you that if you feel like you are willing to, to, to um, put together a group, I want to say that you would be a facilitator, not a leader, that you're just there to make sure the conversation is flowing, that people are being heard, that everyone has a chance to speak, that someone's not dominating. You're there to facilitate. You don't have to lead. You don't have to teach. You don't have to be the only person who talks. Um, and, and we can talk more about that. I have so much more I could say, but I know that's not relevant to everybody um, here. So here's how we're going to end the service today. Um, I just want to say that if you have any questions about this, um, in just a moment after we end, we're going to, we, me and Larry, are going to be outside in the foyer and we have a table set up. And if you are interested in life groups in any way, shape, or form, whether it's hosting one at your house, facilitating or attending, um, I want you to come see us and we're gonna kind of help figure out what the best next step is. There's gonna be a card on the table that looks like this. We have a a snapshot of it. And and all it says, it's a place for you to write your name and it says, I'm willing to host a life group. I'm willing to facilitate a group, but maybe you're not able to host because of of how small your house is or where you live. Um, If you're willing to do both or if you would like to join. Um, and so I hope that you, if you have questions or if you have something that you're kind of wrestling with, then I hope that you'll at least come have a conversation with us and we can figure out, um, what to do next. And my last thing I'll say, okay, is, um, if you refuse, 
you decide that life groups are not for you and nothing I said is going to change your mind, nothing that anyone here said is going to change your mind, I want to say that I, as your pastor, okay, I'm speaking as your pastor and I'm saying the really hard pastoral thing that you may not want to hear, that you should, I urge you to be meeting regularly with a few people. If a, if a small group, if a life group is not your ideal setting and you refuse to do it, I hope for, for the health of your spiritual walk with the Lord that you have at least two other people who aren't your spouse, who can come alongside you and your spouse, who you're having hard conversations with and who you're having vulnerable conversations with, a group of people who know you and you allow yourself to be known. That's the only way that I would ever say it's fine for you not to join a life group. Otherwise, I think we need it, friends. I think we deeply and profoundly need it. And so before we close this morning, I just want to have a time, a word of prayer, and then, um, and then we're going to be finished. So would you pray with me? God, um, this was a little bit different today, um, but I hope that, that it was meaningful to, to some. Um, God, I know that it can feel challenging and overwhelming for us. Even I myself, I believe in life groups. I believe in doing life with others. I believe in community. And even I myself see how sometimes it feels like it would be easier to just um, to seclude myself and to, to be less open and vulnerable. But God, I am so profoundly grateful for people who I can do life with, people who know me, people who I've grown comfortable with, people who, who know my heart so that even if I say something silly, they know where I'm coming from. God, I, I'm so grateful for how our life group has, has helped me grow as a follower of Jesus that in my life group, the pastor is able to find a place where, where she can be open and vulnerable and she can wrestle with hard things. God, I, I pray that if there's anybody here who is on the fence, that, that you would help them to take that first step to, to being willing to be a part of a life group, to start a life group. God, we need people who are willing to step up and, and to start to host or to facilitate God. And so will you help us to know if that's us? I don't want to be the conviction, the voice of conviction for anyone today, God. I only want it to be you. And so Holy Spirit, if, if you are, are pulling us, if you're speaking to us, would you make that known in our hearts? God, we thank you for the gift of relationship. It's, it's truly a gift. It's a gift that you saw us and you said that, that you acknowledged that we needed one another. And so relationship is a good and holy gift. And I pray that we would be brave enough and that we would be willing to pursue relationship with others. God, would you be in our life groups? God, would you make your spirit known in our groups? Would you continue to move in the midst of our groups and do a new thing here because of small groups? God, you have done that, and I'm so grateful for that. Would you use our life groups to be a blessing? Would you anoint these groups? Would you bless these groups? Would you be present in these groups? God, we thank you again for this gift of relationship, and I pray that you would help us as we navigate these relationships together. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?
Friends, may you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior. May you go and do the hard, brave thing of pursuing relationships. May you be open and willing to know others and to allow yourself to be known. And in that, may you find the goodness and beauty of God in a way that you have not found before. You are loved. You are are profoundly loved and seen. Go in his peace. You are dismissed. Have a great day. Come see us at the table.